0: My favorite part about my job is working with our people, whether it's helping them help grow the business on internal initiatives, but most importantly, coaching them and what they aspire to do in their careers. That one-on-one work is really what lights me up.
1: Welcome to Create New Futures, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, experts, and interesting minds. Join us as we explore ideas and reflect on practices that you can use and apply to create and shape the future. With your host, author and strategy consultant, Aviv Shahar. Welcome to Create New Futures, where we develop conversations with successful leaders to explore how you can create a new future for you and for your organization. This is Aviv, and today I'm speaking with Kerry Wekelow. Kerry is the Chief Operating Officer at Actualize Consulting, a financial services firm. Her book and program, Culture Infusion, Nine Principles for Creating and Maintaining a Thriving Organizational Culture, and her latest book, Gratitude Infusion, are the impetus behind the success of Actualize Consulting. Carrie, it's great to have you here. Welcome.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Let's dive right in and let me ask you when you reflect on all the different facets of your work, what do you enjoy the most and why?
0: I would say my favorite part about my job is working with our people, whether it's helping them help grow the business on internal initiatives, but most importantly, coaching them and what they aspire to do in their careers. That one on one work is really what lights me up.
1: What about it is energizing? What is it that you find so enriching in coaching and helping people realize the natural and the potential?
0: To see them be successful and, you know, to inspire them to get excited about what they want to bring into their careers, right? And I, I think that one-on-one attention is getting lost in this day and age. And so I really do enjoy that those individual connections that I do have.
1: Word infusion appears to be important for you. You use the word infusion in two of your books. So how do you mean infusion? And what is the fusion part in that infusion?
0: (laughs) Well, the reason I use infusion is because I like to cook. And when you cook, you need to layer your food, right, with flavors. And what I realized after failing many times to implement programs, was that you have to continuously infuse the messages into your organization, or it can't be one and done. So for example, I'll give you an example of that. We Our main focus is on our people and really celebrating their achievements within the organization. So we used to just have that in where we might talk about it. We would give star players. But now... We start our calls with celebrations, gratitudes, appreciation, wins that our teams, that our people are have achieved. We also put it in the newsletter <laughs> that goes out twice a month. And many times we'll even just send out emails to the whole team celebrating. So it's a constant thing. We're infusing that messaging that we want to hear about our team's successes.
1: How is it being received and Do you ever face any aspect of cynicism or that this is too much from anywhere?
0: Nobody has voiced it directly to me. I can't say that it it hasn't happened maybe behind the scenes, but a testimony that I do feel that it is well-received is that the number of people that are giving me feedback or making sure that they let us know at a leadership level, how people are contributing to projects, helping them be successful. When I first started doing this, I might have one or two in our newsletter. And now it's, I at least have 10 to 15 each time, which I think is a huge, huge positive to that it is working. And you just, it gets kind of, you want to, you're always looking for how you can recognize others.
1: So I get the sense in the way you are talking about this idea of infusing the culture infusing the organization that whatever we historically used to associate with inspirational leadership, infusing leadership means more. And I get the sense that it is to do with how you celebrate, how you recognize people, and how you bring the focus from you as a leader to the people. What what else would you say is a build from inspirational to infusing leadership? What what else are there? What else is in that delta? From one to the next.
0: Right. Well, as a leader, you also have to lead lead by example. And, you know, I think more on the infusion is that not only are you recognizing your people, you're also listening to their ideas and their needs and maybe how they think an initiative should go within the organization. Right. So You're leading by example. You're not just saying that you have these principles. You're actually implementing them over and over again consistently.
1: The first of your nine principles that you talk about in your book is provide intentional leadership. So how do you define, and more critically, how do you coach executives to cultivate intentional leadership?
0: And the intentional leadership ties into the other principles. And at a really high level, as I already mentioned, leading from by example, it's also being very open in your communication, active listening. So your team members, your people know that they can come to you, because you don't want to be that leader where people are scared to come to you or feel like they might get shot down. And the other thing that we do from coaching our team and our leaders is that how we handle challenges, issues, conflicts, that is a huge way that you can lead, be an intentional leader because we're going, let's face it, we're going to face challenges It's just part of life, right? So it's how do you deal with those in the moment? And we use a strategy of pausing to pivot to a positive and it varies, right? I mean, sometimes you can move very quickly out of a challenge Sometimes you have to spend a bit of time formulating, but it's always with a thought on how do I move forward in a positive light? How, what lesson am I learning in this situation? And as a leader, if you can really lift people up and move people forward in those challenging times, that's intentional.
1: Explain a little more the posing to pivot strategy.
0: Right. So that was something that I came up with years ago, because I wanted to have that open door policy, but I didn't have time to listen to the he said and the she said and that spin that people do when they're upset about something. So I said, Okay, I want to hear what's going on. So what's your issue? What's the challenge that you're facing? And then let's immediately start talking about how we could get to a positive resolution, how we could learn from what's in front of us right now. And what it does is it changes your mindset to be kind of forward looking into that. And I'll give an example, even with the recent pandemic that we're all facing right now, instead of being bogged down in what could happen to our organization, we continuously had the messaging How can we move forward? How can we help our clients move forward? Many of our clients had never worked from home. We were lucky enough that how we're set up, we work from home and then we go to client sites. So we use it not only internally as a firm, but with our clients, like, let's move forward. How can we move forward? And maybe the work that we were going to do for our clients had to shift to get them where they needed to be.
1: So the emphasis I hear in what you're describing is a learning culture. Whatever happens, difficult or constructive and positive experience in the work environment, we have a learning opportunity. We fail to harvest that learning. We just missed an opportunity. Well said. When I circle back to the idea of intentional leadership, it is my experience that we can be intentional to the degree that we know ourselves. So if I only understand myself in terms of how I'm wired, what's important for me, how I process information, and all th- those things, if I only understand those partially, then I can be intentional to the degree that I know myself. And so therefore, in my experience, intentional leadership is a byproduct of self-awareness and of intentional living. And so I, therefore, I wonder if how true is that in your experience and whether when you place intentional leadership, you're really inviting your teams into the practice of intentional living and therefore intentional leading. And how is that playing out in your coaching work with your teams? Because you're really asking them to be somewhat enlightened leaders by the way they live, by the exampleship they bring.
0: I agree with everything that you're saying for sure and the self-awareness piece is huge. I read a book years ago that really inspired me and helped move us forward as an organization. It's called Leadership and Self-Deception: Getting Out of the Box by the Arbinger Institute. And in that book, it talks about how we get in our box of, you know, how we view ourselves. And the one point that I have used for the last 10 years is that it doesn't matter what situation, what challenge, if you're a part of that challenge or a part of that issue, you did have a role. What's your accountability? What can you be self aware on your accountability in the situation that you're currently facing? And if you can have that conversation with yourself and understand how you're contributing to the issue. It really helps. And what I've found is that if you are open and honest and self-aware and you share that with your colleagues, they're going to have more empathy for you, right? So it is some people, it's easier than others. We also use DISC, which helps to identify your your traits. And for example, I'm pretty, I'm above like the 50% mark on almost all of the characteristics, which I think makes me very diverse. But then you have people that are high D's that are very dominant. You have people that are rule followers. So understanding what your type is and how you show up to other people is really important. So we use tools such as those as well. To help nudge people to really be able to see how they might be showing up to other people as well
1: it's a journey it is a journey <laughs> it, it is a journey, and, and ultimately what you're asking people is to commit to their personal growth and so this idea that oh, I will become a successful leader, successful manager at work, but then the rest of my life has got nothing to do with that that which was allowed in the 80s and in the 90s, and maybe to an extent, through the close of the century, we are now two decade, decades into this century, we are now recognizing everybody that you are one whole person wherever you are, and you carry yourself and your belief system and your understanding of yourself to all your professional arenas. So to the degree that you want to be truly impactful leader, it begins on the inside with the whole person that you are and the journey that you are committing to uh, engage in.
0: Absolutely. It really is a journey and it takes work and, and nobody's perfect. That's the other thing. And the more empathy and support we can give each other, the better we're going to be as leaders.
1: What is gratitude infusion? How do you practice it?
0: So I have written Culture <laughs> Infusion and I was going, I'm actually in the process of updating Culture Infusion because we've changed how we do some things internally within Actualize. And I was going to add gratitude to, to Culture Infusion. And then I decided to ho- that it was its own book, because that's how much gratitude we use within our organization, the the various practices. So it's really going back to talking about how we really recognize our team members. It's leading with gratitude as well. And that pausing to pivot to a positive, the piece I didn't mention was you also really in that pause, think about what you're grateful for. So that's a technique that we use as well in the moment. Let's really, because gratitude can help pivot you fairly quickly out of how a negative emotion, because there's always something that you can be grateful for, whether it be that you... Have a warm meal today. So it doesn't have to be overly complicated. So again, infusing that in the culture from how you deal with challenges, how you're communicating, how you're recognizing your team members to even my internal team. We have a weekly gratitude that we send out to our team. So we really get to know each other better. And it's not only why we're grateful for people on our team or people in our lives, it's also why are we grateful for ourselves? So I say inward, outward, inward and outward gratitude, which I find that the more I can be grateful for things that I'm doing well, it helps me move forward and be more appreciative of others. And then we also talk about wins. What was a big win for your, you personally in the past week? And I find it's a gratitude connects people very quickly and easily and authentically.
1: So what was the point that where you were awakened to the nature and the centrality of gratitude? Was it, was there a particular moment or occurrence, or was it something that just gradually came into focus?
0: It gradually came into focus, but I think my aha moment on the power of gratitude was when I started using it, when I was working, doing team-building sessions with my clients. And I would I have this exercise where we go through pausing to pivot to a positive And then I would do that exercise. And we use active listening where you listen, you each person gets two or three minutes to speak while the other person's not saying anything. They're just listening to practice active listening. And I had some extra time in one of my seminars. So I was like, oh, you know what? Let's end with just doing that active listening with gratitude. And the energy in the room shifted. It blew my mind. And I was like, wow, okay. I, I, and everybody left happy. I got the best reviews I've ever gotten, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay, good, good idea to end on gratitude. And then I just it just made me start thinking about how we already are practicing that. And then how can I add in more gratitude and teach my clients about gratitude and how fast and effective it, it was because they felt it, right? It's, that's why I like it because it's, not only is it quick, it's free.
1: So what do you deeply believe gratitude is? Is it a feeling? Is it learned behavior? Or is it a chosen attitude to life?
0: All of the above?
1: All of the above. But the important point you're making is it is a behavior you can learn and when you engage in the practice when you engage in the behavior and it's important point i think you're making gratitude is a practice you can build the practice as you build muscles in the gym i suppose one of the things you do is you invite people into the gratitude gym and when <laughs> you do so you're actually rewiring synaptic connections in in your brain that this idea of pause to pivot to positive is a rewiring of your brain circuitries in the moment kind of exercise.
0: Yes. And what I've found is there a cumulative impact on how quickly you can pivot. You know, I, there's a situation, I remember for some reason I get, I've get, gotten rear-ended a few times and I went back to the last time that happened to me. And let's say two times ago, I probably called 10 people to tell them I got rear-ended. Then one time ago, maybe five people. And then the last time I get re- got rear-ended, I just called the, the appointment that I was going to. Like, I'm going to be late. I just got rear-ended. And then I was like, eh, it's okay. No big deal. But I was like, it's okay. I'm safe. I'm sound. But I didn't need to spend any time in the negative. I just moved quickly. And that's just an easy example, but it's really helped me even witness my own actions?
1: Well, this story you're describing is you're choosing to, instead of exchange commiseration and draw from other people the energy of pity, you are assuming full responsibility to the experience and taking charge and rerouting your mindset into what matters to you. That, that's what I hear in, in this anecdote. Exactly. Okay. So, let's imagine you are coaching. Somebody, that person may be working for you or maybe from another company, maybe a client, and you talk to them about the idea of gratitude infusion. And and they say, you know what? This is a great idea, Carrie. But what do I do when I do have a really bad day and I don't feel like gratitude at all? And I'm not even physically feeling well. How do I find gratitude in those kind of days? How do you help them?
0: I think it's important. And that does happen. And it's happened to me numerous times where people were like, you know what, I just, this is how I'm feeling. I think it's really important to allow how you are feeling. And maybe some days you're going to be in that pause all day. If you just need to take a you day and just spin and whatever you're going through, I absolutely, that's okay. What I encourage people to do is I ask, what I would ask somebody in that situation is what does light you up? What inspires you? What's one thing that you can do for five minutes that might make you feel better? Is that listening to a song that you really like and dancing, moving around? I try to encourage people in those types of moments of just really not feeling well to move in some way. Go for a five minute walk, listen to a song, dance around a little bit, do some light stretching, whatever. Like if you like to play sports, I I mean, we have a basketball goal outside, go shoot some hoops, whatever it is that can just get you out of your head and moving your body, that can help you maybe be able to shift more into a, a mindset of gratitude. And then I say, once you do that activity for five minutes, why? What, what are you grateful for about the experience that you just had? So it just shifts them into an actual physical activity.
1: So I think there are two insights you're offering there. The first is The gratitude practice is not merely positive thinking whereby people ought to suppress pain or struggle and gloss over it or cover it with just positive affirmation. That doesn't work and will not actually change much to you. The other way around will will make you weaker because you will go against the way of the experience you're feeling on, on the inside. You're just creating an internal conflict. So that's not the the recommendation. The recommendation is to actually acknowledge, recognize what you're feeling, recognize your experience, not resist it, go with it, and then try to find a way to metabolize the energy Mm -hmm. in a constructive way that will release gratitude in you. So I think that's the first insight. The second insight, if you can't do this quickly through your mental attitudinal processes, what you are recommending is that feelings, they live inside our body. And so we can catalyze change in how we feel and how we experience by becoming kinetic, practically, physically, biologically, physiologically changing our energy. And that can be a catalyst For change in in how we feel. It can be, as you said, play some basketball. It can actually be some breathing exercise. It can be anything of the above that will metabolize the energy in you and get you out of the state you're in, because you are at that point trying to change the energy state. And if you can't change the energy state by your thoughts, change the energy state and let that arc to new thoughts and feelings. If I reverse engineer what you offer there.
0: Brilliant. (laughs) Well said.
1: (laughs) So the last inquiry here about gratitude. So why is it so critical in your observation and, and essential in terms of thriving organizational culture?
0: That's a really good question. I believe that with gratitude, because it's, it's you don't really have to teach gratitude. Does that make sense? It's not a hard concept. And if it's something that, is ingrained and infused in your culture, that you're constantly looking for those moments of appreciation, of gratitude, of how we can recognize others. It just builds a culture of connection, one that people really want to be a part of. Because if you, simple psychology, we want to feel needed and wanted, and we want to be contributing, right? And if you can feel like you are contributing to your company moving forward. It just, it makes it a place where people are constantly looking for how we can do better as an organization, because they know they're going to be recognized for it. You know, it's, I always go back to earlier in my career of when I kind of develop principles, it's why did I feel bad earlier in my career? And I can remember a time when I had spent, I spent an entire summer on this project and it was, we were doing a vendor evaluation to bring in another company and my entire team, there was four of us, everybody got conflicted out. I was earlier on my career so I didn't have any conflicts of interest so there was a four people four person team and it went down to I was the only person and they couldn't find anybody else that didn't have a conflict. So I did a four person project all by myself. I wasn't able to really come home in the summer because of where we where I was located and I never felt like I was appreciated for that work that I did. Although looking back I learned so much from that, but I never wanted anybody that worked for me that went above and beyond not to feel appreciated and that I was grateful for what they had done for for me or the organization
1: yes and and i think with it the insight you're communicating is we have just learned through the pandemic that every person can be a transmitting agent for covid-19 but in the same way every person is a can be a transmitting agent for bitterness upset and agitation, or they can be a transmitting agent for care, for gratitude, for compassion, for trust. So these are some of those awareness that I'd highlight as to why gratitude is and can be essential for the organization. because if you have if you have one or two people that are always upset as way of life on the team, it's very difficult to develop a happy team because you have few people that are forever. In the bitterness zone for whatever reason. It's not criticism of them. It's just it becomes very difficult unless they're prepared to transform their energy. And when we have care and gratitude and positivity, again, not just as a superficial idea, but as propelling inner motivation in in the way we show up at work and in our lives, these are teams that are able to produce tremendous results. I have one last inquiry here about gratitude in a different Vector, which is to do with parenting, because I'm curious how you advise and coach about this. I I see many younger parents who want to be great parents, but also living a high-stress life in terms of what they're trying to accomplish and living inside the guilt and the conflict of that. What would you say to them about gratitude, bringing gratitude into their parenting
0: well, I have two kids, so I can definitely speak to that. I was very fortunate that I had, I teach yoga on the side, now I only do privates, but for seven years, I did after school yoga with my kids, kids yoga. So I was able to instill a lot of principles, mindfulness principles with my, with my kids. So I think it's something that starting at a young age at the dinner table, and my, we do this is every time. And even if we're on the run, I try to, as I'm giving my kids food, what are you grateful for, you know, today? And it's a practice that we do every single day. And I, this, what exactly what I'm talking about, how do you pivot adults? It's the same with kids. And, you know, right now my daughter, she'll be, she's almost 15. So she's going through a transition and I've been going back to... The kind of pausing to pivot to a positive, but really focusing on gratitude and what she's grateful for and how good she does have it and what is going good. And I think if you just have those conversations when your kids are younger, it makes it a lot easier when you get to the stages where they're trying to find them, find themselves. So start early. The same principles on gratitude apply with all
1: ages. (laughs) Yes. So I'm approaching now my two final questions. First, if you were to lose all that you know and keep only two ideas or two capabilities or two practices, what would you keep?
0: I would really like to be able to move. <laughs> is that acceptable answer?
1: Yeah, that's, okay. that's very essential.
0: <laughs> yes, I would like to be able to move. And I would also, wow, this is a really good question. Only two. Yes. I would still want to be able to see, too.
1: Okay, so interesting where you have taken this inquiry, you've taken it to the most foundational aspects of life, being able to move, being able to see. I suppose, and then being able to appreciate those two gifts would be a natural third to that. That's wonderful. So thank you for this exploration today, Kerry. As we bring this to landing, what parting wisdom do you wish to offer to people listening to create new futures?
0: I would say to take a look at the practices that you're doing today, your teams, the people in your life, and just find one person that you can acknowledge of why you're grateful and either verbally tell them, write them a letter, send them a text, but just start today with why you're grateful for somebody and be very detailed on why you are
1: express the behavior, express what you observed, ground it in something that's repeatable and that they can see how you grounded your appreciation in something you have truly seen and observed with them. Well said. Can I
0: keep you around? You can just rephrase things I say. (laughs) I love it. (laughs)
1: What do you know? People pay me well, very well, for saying back to them what they said in just in my words. <laughs> I, I
0: can see why. I happen, I happen
1: to be developing a career out of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you very much for sharing your experience and gratitude know-how with us today. Thanks for
0: having me.